back in September, we discussed this concept called, called matter to the mission. And there we said we've been set free to do God's good in our gates. And everything we've talked about so far has, has been about matter to that mission because we've been set free to do God's good in our gates. And that set free is set free from sin and guilt. Some of us, we get the part we're saved, but we haven't really gotten over the part that we, we goofed up, and the, but that God can still use us. You've been set free from guilt. And God can take the worst you've ever done and make it the best for his kingdom if you let him. And that's what the do good part is. Then where do you do that? Where you are. In your gates. So we talked about that in September. In October, it was called the War of the Worlds. And what we said there was God will win when we wield the right weapons against the right warriors in our gates. That whole concept we discussed was this reality of spiritual warfare. That most of us walk around through life with this this these blinders on that we think that this stuff the stuff that we can feel and touch and taste and hear the natural things that we just see every we've seen our lives that we think that's it and that's the way the enemy wants to keep us oblivious of what's really going on and we looked at Elisha and and Syria was trying to kill Elisha and the servant was all upset and Elisha opened his eyes to what God was really going on and found out it wasn't about Elisha and Syria it was about God and Satan oh and by the way Satan didn't have a chance that was the war of the worlds, and, and, and we learned to wield our weapons there. And then in November, it was the immovable object. Now, with the immovable object, we had this concept of the only way God's gatekeepers can lose is if we quit. Now, let me stop here and remind all of you. In a group this size, I have to believe that there are men right now who are ready to quit. Or at least thought about quitting. I'm not talking about the ultimate quit of suicide, although that may be the case. We've had that already this season where someone was considering that and didn't, thank God. But I'm talking about you're ready to quit your marriage, or you're ready to quit your job, you're ready to quit on your kids, you're ready to quit on Jesus. You're ready to quit. There's something right now that you're saying, I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't go on any longer. And what we talked about in November was that immovable object that the only way you can lose is if you quit so don't quit we moved on through that in January it was the unstoppable force and that's where the ladder came in we talked about Jabez oh that you would bless me indeed that that you would expand my borders that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I might not cause sin Jabez was a guy that was already successful but he wanted he wanted more and that more was he wanted to be in a situation where he had to rely on God Jabez wasn't consent to sit, content to sit on the stairs and look backwards. He was looking forward to the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what Jabez's mind was about. And our lesson for that night was, if a thing is not bigger than me, it's not worthy of he. We focused on that. We moved on from there in February. It was the final count countdown. And what we talked about there is various scriptures, but the basic lesson was, was when Jesus tells us to do the impossible, hear me on this, when Jesus tells us to do the impossible, when Jesus told Greg to go to his sister, when Jesus tells us to do the impossible, the fact that it's impossible is irrelevant. Because Jesus is not going to go tell you to do something that can't be done. And we, we, went, we went over that in quite some detail, which moved us into March, which was the mission mindset. And that was Romans chapter 12. That's where the whiteboard came into play. 
In Romans chapter 12, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what we talked about was most of us don't know why we think what we think. And the lesson basically was, if we keep thinking the way we've always thought, we'll always think the way we've always thought. And we, we went through about the pipes. Here we have the pipes that we all, that feed into our minds. And by the time it gets to our minds, it's all a mishmash, it's all a mess. And we don't know why we think what we think. And oh, by the way, all the pipes have pipes. And many times when we become a Christian, we take our Bibles and we put them over here to feed it through. And we, and we read our Bibles through this the, the, the prism of our church and we've discovered that night that no no we take all of this stuff all of these pipes and we feed it through the word and the word will say well this part's trash but this part is truth and that's what we want to feed into our minds be not conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that's through God in Christ Jesus we talked about that in March and then last month in April, it was the battle plan. That's where the half pipe came into play. It was a story of David and Goliath. We had, we had Goliath down here in the kill zone and Israel up here and David's not, couldn't quite figure out why Israel was letting Goliath get away with his blasphemy of God. And so he did something about it because his, his mindset was believe God, kill giants. It's not there, believe God and try to kill giants. It's believe God and kill giants. And so that's exactly what he did. David believed God and he killed Goliath. But it brings us to tonight. Tonight is, is, is what now? And, and one of the comments I've heard uh, many times, and it's a fair comment, is that Doug, this is all good. We, we get it. This is, this is motivating. And even, even our last night, we had probably 30 or more of you here in the kill zone to commit your lives to standing for God, to get through the kill zone to what God has for you at the other side. And so we've had a lot of change, and God says some wonderful things, but there's been that question when it comes to the specifics. Doug, what, what do I do with this in my marriage? What do I do with this at my job, with my family, with my friends? In the gates that I occupy, what specifically am I supposed to do about this? And I get that. I know what it feels like to be so far down in a hole <laughs> that you have no idea how you're going to get out of it. I know what it feels like to be so far down, and while you're trying to dig yourself out of the hole, you feel like everybody else is digging the hole deeper and putting the dirt back on top of you. I, have, I know what it feels like to feel like everything is lost. I've had nights where I would go to bed and I would be in the fetal position. I was so scared. And I didn't know what to do next. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one in the room who's been through that. And so when I hear the question, what do I do with all this stuff that all these visuals represent? What do I do with that? I think that's a fair question because you know what? I've asked the same question. I knew the word. I was a preacher. <laughs> I... I I prot and taught the word. I, that wasn't the question for me. It was, what do I do with it when everything is broken in my life? So I'm here tonight to share with you what I did, what God taught me. I'm here tonight to share with you the essence of gatekeepers and what motivates me and brings me into the sense of urgency in front of you tonight. There are three things, 
Three simple things that if you'll do these three simple things, you're going to move forward for God when it's time. The first thing is, the first thing I, I learned that it's always time to take the next step. It is always time to take the next step. The question is, what's the next step? You see, some of us are in a marriage where we go home and we know our wife is not going to be happy with us, and it's time at that point to take the next step. Some of us have, go, have to get up and go to work tomorrow. We have a boss, then that boss is not always fair, and you know it's time to take the next step. And some of us have issues with, at, with our kids, and it's time to take the next step. There is that next step, but the question is, we know it's time. We know it's time to take the next step, but what is the next step? So let me tell you a secret. The next step is the first step. Now bear with me here. It's time to take the next step, but your next step is the first step. There is a misunderstanding among Christians, I believe, about first steps. There's this perception that when you see a pastor or you see a, a, a marriage that's going well or in, in Christ or you see what we would call Christian successes, we have this perception that they've got it figured out, that maybe it was hard in the past, but now, now, now it, the, the steps are easier. But that wasn't what Jabez thought. Jabez wanted the next step but he knew the next step was always going to be hard. Understand that every time you take a step, I don't care where you are in your walk in dealing with the issues, every next step is the first step. You have to go through the same disciplines to, to, to gin up, if you, if, if you will, the spiritual disciplines to take each next step. And guys, if you don't take the first next step, you'll never take the next next step. <coughs> if you don't trust God, for the first next step, which is your next step, you're frozen where you are. So while it may be time to take the next step, gentlemen, and the, it's the next step, is going to be your first step, as well as it will be again. So what is the first step? What's the first step for your marriage? What's the first step for your, for your walk with Jesus? What's your first step with, with your jobs, your family? What is the first step? You ready? I don't have a clue. I don't know your situations. I don't know the specifics of what you're going through. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend to give you three or four magic principles that if you do these things, you'll always overcome um, these specific issues. So if you'll go home and, and, and you'll just say this magic phrase to your wife, it'll fix everything. Guys, I don't know. I do not know what those things are that you need to do, but I do know something. I know what not to do. First of all, guys, your first step is to do something. Just do something. But that something isn't, you know, you go home and say, woman, woman, I told you that I'm God's leader of this family and you will obey me, you will submit. I, I don't recommend that at all. So when I say that the first step is to do something, not everything is that something, okay? There are four things that I learned from God that when I am frozen, 
I am scared. I, I know it's time to take the next step. And I know that next step is going to be my first step. And I know that first step is to do something. But I don't know what that something is. And I'm frozen. I'll do the wrong thing. Here's four things I remember to do. And I learned those things. And those things that I learned got me from there to here in my life. From the fetal position to standing before you tonight. And those same four things are going to get me from where I am to where God has taken me. And it'll do the same thing for you. So let's, first of all, let's look at those four things. First thing, keep your eye on the prize. What is the goal of your prayer? Ask yourself. When you're going through struggles, when you're going through at times where you know you need to take a step but you're frozen and you're praying about that, what's the goal of that prayer? And for many of us, the goal of that is rescue. Isn't it? Aren't we, aren't we always praying, God, please fix this. I need more money. I need, a, I need a happier marriage. Or I need, And we have these solutions in mind. And that's the goal of our prayer. But I want to submit to you, I want to submit to you that that is short-sighted. I've told the story before, but, you know, you think about trains. You know, trains, you know, you've watched the Western movies. The trains, they're the train barons, and they, they own, and they're always putting, laying down the track, and they have these big fancy trains, and they traveled back and forth across the United States in their trains, and they had all the money, and the trains were the, they were the happening thing. But now you look at the train industry today, and they don't exist without government subsidy. What happened to them? They had short-sighted. Because trains thought their business was trains. But the fact was, their business was transportation. And so they got stuck when all of a sudden airplanes started showing up and who didn't need all these tracks, and they got left behind. That's what we do. We, when times are going hard and we're trying to come up, well, what is that next step that we need to come through? We, we, we end up with this, this attitude, well, I need the solution. I need the fix. I'm thinking like a train. And God's saying, no, it's more than that. I am more interested in my relationship with you. That's what Jabez was in 1 Chronicles talking about, chapter 4. Oh, that you would bless me indeed, that you would expand my borders, that your hand would be with me. He wanted a relationship with God. He was literally asking for more stress because he knew that would allow him to walk closer with God. He wanted to be in so much stress. He wanted to be in such a hard situation that he would fail unless God was with him. Why? Because he knew he wanted God with him. He wasn't focused on the rescue. He was focused on the relationship. That's why it says in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the rest gets taken care of. Gentlemen, I guarantee you, if one of the first things that you do in this life is you're dealing with the strives, the struggles of life, is if you keep your eye on the prize, that you're focused on the prize of a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you can keep that first and foremost, the rescue will come. You've got to put that first. But I have to ask you a question. Why would we want this relationship? And I'm going to submit to you gratitude. We can be gra grateful for, for the blessings of God. How many 
have, feel like you've been blessed by God? Raise your hand. And how many are grateful for that? That's right, of course. There's nothing wrong with being grateful for the blessings of God. But I'm telling you right now, guys, that even if you don't feel blessed at the moment, even if you don't feel blessed right now, you can still be grateful for one reason. It's called salvation. One of the mis most mysterious passages of Scripture in the Bible, as far as I'm concerned, is Matthew 27, 35. It's four words. Then they crucified him. And that's all they said. Prior to that, it was all the stuff he'd been through, the whippings and the scourging and the scorn and everything that he'd been through. And then after that was everything after the crucifixion. But they took the crucifixion itself, all of the horror of what it means to be crucified, it's just the physical side of it, where they would pull his arms out of their sockets and they would nail him to that cross. They would nail his feet to the tree. That horror of the crucifixion, and they summed it up in four words. Then they crucified him. And that doesn't even count what he went through with God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was something that was worse for him. And yet they summed it up with four words. Then they crucified him. It blows my mind. When I think of what Jesus did for me compared to what I have done to him, when I think that what he went through for me compared to what I didn't do for him, when I think of what Jesus did for me, gentlemen, no one goes through a crucifixion if they don't have to. No one does that. Nobody, I guarantee you, in this room would go through a crucifixion if you didn't have to. And Jesus Christ was God. He did not have to. He even said himself, he called down legions of angels, called down legions of angels to rescue him and obliterate this world that was doing this unfair thing. He could have come off that cross he didn't have to be up there. There's only one reason Jesus would do what he did. because he wanted to. That brings me to my knees. When I think, when I think of what he did, I, I am grateful. I am grateful for what that was. I don't care what's going on in my life at the time. I don't care what I'm losing, what I'm not getting, what is frustrating me. If I focus on Jesus and my relationship with him at that time, I am grateful. Keeping our eyes on the prize, guys, is based on gratitude. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Learn to be grateful. Learn to walk through your garage and see that car and say, thank you, God. Learn to walk and, and, and get up in the morning and take that first breath and say, thank you, God. Learn to find things to be thankful for. Learn to be thankful because you know what will happen as you are growing in that thankfulness attitude. You'll understand as it moves through as how it finally gets to James chapter 1 where it says, count it all joy when you face trials. 
You know why? Because you'll be able to look at those blessings that, that God has given you, and you begin to, and you'll be thankful for that every time the car starts. I've, my car has over 200,000 miles on it. I thank God every time it starts when I get in the thing. And every time that happens, you learn to be thankful for that, but then you all of a sudden have to think, but how did I get there? Where did this car come from? What did I go through to get this car? And begin to see that sometimes those blessings came out of the very trials. And that's what James was saying. Count it joy when you face those trials because you know that it will develop. Fill in the blank. Live that life of gratefulness. Keep your eye on the prize. Because if you learn to be grateful, it will protect your relationship with God. And you'll understand that when you come time to take that next step, that first step, if you start off with gratitude, that step is going to take you toward, towards Jesus. Second thing, you're going to keep your eye on the prize, but you've got to keep your hand on the sword. We talked about it once again a few weeks, a few months ago, this concept of spiritual warfare. Now, I just want to summarize this once again. There's this, this, what we call this reality, this sub-reality, what, what we call the natural. And when we went through that week was this concept of, of the superior reality, which is the spiritual reality. In 2 Kings, we looked at Elisha versus Syria, which is really God versus Satan. In 1 Peter 5, it talks very clearly. It says, guys, we need to be sober-minded. Because there's this enemy who, roar, who, who prowls around like this roaring lion seeking who, who might devour. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 6, to put on the armor of God. If you look at that, it says several times there, why? So that you can stand. So that you can stand. Let me be clear about something, gentlemen. If I have a sword, or I have, in this case, it's just a knife. I pull this knife out, and an enemy's coming at me, and, I put this, and, I'm, and I'm wielding this knife. The enemy cannot be where this knife is. Because if he is, he's going to get cut. Got that? I pulled out this sword, which is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to cut anything up. You, enemy cannot be where you live with this sword in your hand. When we are, in, gentlemen, when we are holding on to our sword, we have our hand on the sword, we have the shield of, of, of faith, we've got the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, we put on the armor of God, and we are wielding those weapons. We are wielding them in acts of war. The enemy is all around. He, is, he wants to defeat what God wants to claim. He wants the whole ground that we are to take back. It is his gates that cannot stand against the church. And that's because we move forward with our hands on the sword. We wield this word. We wield our faith. We wield those things to do one thing, to defeat the enemy. Keep your hand on the sword. It's an act of war. In a little while, we're going to have worship. And when we're having worship, some, if not most of you, will probably raise your hands. Can I submit to you that that's an act of war? Because God inhabits the praise of his people. And if God inhabits the praise of his people, Satan's just lost that ground. Gentlemen, keep your eye on the prize. Keep your hand on the sword.
Third thing, keep your feet planted on the rock. That's where the pipes come into play. We have this whole situation of, of, of Jesus talking about in Matthew chapter 7 of, of the man who builds his house on the sand and the man who builds his house on the rock. It says the, the one who built his house on the sand, you know, he built, probably built a nice house, but he built on the sand. And when we discussed this the last time around, we understood that sand is made up of lot. Lots of rocks trembled together. And there are all kinds of different rocks. And that's what we talked about here. Lots of all kinds of different things into our brains. And if we build our house on this, it's going to fall. It can't stand against the storms. But if we keep our feet on the rock, it says in Matthew chapter 7, that house, that house is going to stand. And so it says in, Matthew, in Romans chapter 12, be transformed. Renew your mind. Take this word and put it between you and the world. Some of the stuff up here is probably good stuff. Some of it's not good stuff. Put it through the word. And where it goes through the word, it's going to come out either trash or truth. Gentlemen, we've got to keep our feet on this word. If we keep our eye on the prize, if we keep, we keep our, um, what was that second thing? We keep our hand on the sword and we keep our feet planted on the rock. Those are three things that will light our path. What did David say? Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light into my path. It will move you through into that next step. And then fourthly, with those other three things, you also need a heart convinced of victory. This is where I struggle the most sometimes, to be honest with you. And I have a feeling most of us do. When we talked about this last time around, it was David and Goliath. And we have David and Goliath yelling at each other. And Goliath saying, you little twerp. I'm going to take you out. You're just nothing. I've got all these weapons. I'm tall. You're little. And he goes on and on and on. And David said, yeah, I see you. I see your weapons. I see your spirit. I see your sword. But you know what? You come up with all that stuff, and I come with you in the name of the Lord God. That was the difference between the two. David had a confidence in God. He had a confidence in God that was, was based on his past experience. He told his king Saul, when, when the lion came, when the bear came, I took him out because God was with me. He knew God was faithful. Gentlemen, God is faithful. God is true to himself. He cannot lie. What he says about himself, it's true. We have promises, and these promises are true. And I can run, I can run to any battle. I can run to any battle because God has promised that. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can run to any battle because God has promised that I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who saved me. I can run to any battle. I'm not frozen from my next step because I can stand against Satan. I can stand against Satan. The powers and principalities, he cannot stand against the weapons God has given me. I can run against any battle for that. I can run to any battle. I can take those next steps. I can do that because no weapon formed against me is going to stand. That's a promise of God. I can run to any battle because 
<clears throat> I'm not done until God says I'm done. I'm, you know how I know you're not done? <laughs> you're breathing. You're still here. And until God says we're done, he promises we're not done. We can run to any battle because we can do all things through Jesus Christ who saved us. We can run to any battle because nothing can come between God and me. We can run to any battle because if God's for me, who can stand against me? Gentlemen, God's going to lead you to that next first step and that next first step. And what many times keeps us frozen is we don't believe those promises. We don't. Because if we did, we would run to the battle just like David ran down into the kill zone. And yet we don't. We're timid. We're scared. We're afraid. If we completely believe God, we'll take that next step. And that's the best thing to do. The first step is always the next step. The next step is to do something. And as I'm finishing up here, I'd like for the, for the worship team to come on up. And guys, they're going to be coming up, and they're going to be getting set up, and the, some of these um, things here are going to be taken off the stage. But please, just pay attention to what we're going to be doing in the next few moments before that happens. There are four things. There are four things that, need, that you need to keep in mind. Like I said, I don't have a clue what your exact next step is. But I promise you, I promise you, if you take these next four things to heart, if you do that, God will tell you what your next dividend is. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your hand on the sword. Keep your feet planted on the rock. And keep your heart convinced of victory. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your hand on the sword. Keep your feet planted on the rock. And keep your heart convinced of victory here's a really cool thing for every challenge that you're facing God has already ordained victory for every challenge that you're facing God has already ordained your next step for every challenge you're facing you don't have to be frozen because God has already been there for every challenge you're facing, if you start with gratitude, you'll end up with victory. Anytime you can't see your next step, it's usually because of where you're standing. You're standing and you're looking at the rescue and not the relationship that you want to have with Jesus Christ. You're making the rescue the priority. Gentlemen, make it the rescue. The, re the relationship. If that's where you are, if that's where you are, where you find yourself praying for rescue and not relationship, your next step is to do something about that. Or maybe you're, maybe you're standing where you're standing, you haven't factored in the reality of God, the super reality of God, the spiritual warfare aspects of, of reality, and you've taken your hand off the sword. You've put this down. You've taken your hand off the sword. If that's where you are today, your next step is to do something about that. Or maybe where you're standing, it's not on the rock of the word. You are not planted on the rock here. You're not in Bible studies. 
We have every Monday night and every Tuesday night we have a men's study, one that meets here and one meets at the Corner Bakery. And you're not part of that. You're not part of a small group in some way. You're not in a, in a personal study. You're, you're not planted on the rock. Guys, if that's where you are, your next step tonight is to do something about that. Or finally, maybe where you're standing, fear has you frozen because you don't really believe God. Gentlemen, Jesus would not have done what he did on the cross and then say, oh, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. None of that's really true. He came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. And gentlemen, if you don't really find yourself in a situation where you don't really believe God, then tonight, your next step is to do something about that. And if you do something about those four things, you'll know what your next first step is. And I guarantee you it'll be the right one. In a moment, we're going to have a time of worship. And for that time of worship, I want you to be considering, where are you on those four things? Where are you with your eye on the prize? Where are you with your hand on the sword? Or are your feet planted on the rock? Or finally, is your heart convinced of victory. Where are you in those areas as we go through our worship time? Because I'm, our pastor Gary is going to come up after the worship time. He's going to bring this home. And he's good at it, so be ready. He's going to bring this home in such a way where we're going to have an understanding and looking for a commitment tonight. It is our prayer. We prayed in this room, and I've been praying for, for almost two years now. It is our prayer that tonight nobody leaves this building without having made a decision in one area of their life at least they're going to take that next step. Whether it's do something about those four things or more specifically about an area of their, or a gate of their life. That is what we want to look for tonight. This whole first portion of tonight was to set up Pastor Gary to bring this home for us to be men of God who take back our gates, who understand what it means to be free to be able to do the good God wants us to do where we live and work every day. That's what we're here tonight for. I'm going to say a word of prayer at this moment, and then we're going to have a worship time. Be considering what God has told you so far tonight. So let's pray. Lord, God, maker of heaven and earth, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, I, I, I have a hard time comprehending that whole scene. Times of communion for me, Lord, bring me to tears, Lord, when I think that what we're talking about was, were nails and swords and whips slicing through your body because of me. And you did that because you want to. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for that love. Lord, you've made the law was all about obedience being obligatory. It's all obligation, Lord. But you've taught me that obedience is gratitude's child. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, what we're looking for tonight is your guidance. I pray for everyone in this room. 
Lord, that your guidance would fall upon us, Lord, your spirit would fall upon us, Lord, that you would, you would open everyone in this room to at least one area where we can take the next first step, Lord, of taking back that ground, to really doing it. Lord, this is not just because it's a neat idea, Lord. We have a job to do, Lord, and I pray that happens tonight. So, Lord, as we continue on through this worship time, and then when Pastor Gary comes up, fall down upon us, Jesus, and move us your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gentlemen. I, I listened to what Doug has talked about this evening, and I think for most men, maybe not all, okay, but in generalization, most men have got an area of their life where they really need to see something change. There may be five or six areas, but for most men, there's one thing that we look at and we think, if I could just see a breakthrough here, if I could just see a change right here, then my whole life would be better and my whole life would be different. Now, I don't want to show of hands, but how many guys would give me a bobblehead? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. If I could just see breakthrough, if I could just see something miraculous happen right here. Greg, I, I applaud you tonight in sharing your testimony. A man taking a step of faith, seeing God do some amazing things. But here's what I want to talk to you about. In, in the Old Testament, there's the story that begins in the book of Joshua. Uh, Joshua 1, verse 2, right at the beginning of the chapter. God speaks to Joshua one day and says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, I want you to get up, arise, go over this Jordan, take the people with you into the land of promise. But then he ties into this promise, and he says this to Joshua. He says, Joshua, every place, and I want everybody to see this, okay? So I'll step back up for a second. He says, Joshua, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, verse 3, chapter 1, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I've given to you. Now, when you read that verse of Scripture, it, it, it plays with our minds a little bit because there's two tenses in that verse. There's future tense. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, and then there's past tense. I've already given to you. See, I want to stop tonight, and I want to tell you something. For every man in this room... You have a promised land. You have something in your heart that cries out and says, if just this one thing in my life could be different, if I could just have a change in this one area, my whole life would experience a breakthrough and everything would be different. And God says, okay, I got, I'll make a deal with you. Every place the sole of your foot shall step into, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I've already given to you. In other words, God says to you, I'm going to do it. It's a done deal right now, but I need you to walk by faith and walk into it. See, one of the problems that we have as men is we like to be, especially in our society in America today, we want to be laid back and we want to be cool and we want to worship God in a cool way. We don't want anybody looking at us and staring at us and, you know, we don't want to make a big splash unless it's at a ball game and then we'll yell and scream and go crazy, but in everyday life we are cool. But God said to Joshua, Joshua, I don't need you to be cool. I need you to be passionate about this thing. I need you to believe this so strongly that you'll go out and step into the things I've already promised you and given to you and just go take possession of it. I think tonight God is saying to some men, that area of your life, that's your promised land. 
I want to change it. I want to get involved with you. So here's the deal. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I've already taken care of it. I've given it to you. Doug shared tonight some great thoughts. What is your next step? What is your next step? What is your next step? I don't know. I need God to work some miracles. What is your next step? Can I tell you what your next step is? Look at chapter 3 of Joshua. Well, I think we'll have the verses here on the screen. Chapter 3, verse 14. This is when they're about to go in and take the land. Chapter 3, verse 14. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during this, uh, the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Now, here's, here's what's intriguing to me. God said to Joshua, tell the spiritual leaders. They were the spiritual gatekeepers, if you will. Tell those spiritual gatekeepers to pick up the Ark of the Covenant, my presence, pick up my presence, go. I'm going with you. I've already given you the land of promise. And the people are saying, well, we can't go in. God's got to work a miracle. There's a mighty river in the way. God said, you tell the priests to get their feet wet. See, one of the reasons we don't see God work miracles is because we don't get our feet wet. We're riverbank Christians. We stand the banks of the river. Okay, God, that's a big mess. Boy, only you can move that one. And God, one of these days I'm going to get out of bed and you're going to part all those waters. And oh God, that'll be wonderful someday. Then my marriage will be better. Then my relationships with family members will be better. Then my job will be better. Then my family will be better. And we make this list and say, someday I'm going to get out of bed and God's going to part the waters. And God says, no, I've already given it to you. But you need to get your feet wet. Am I hitting home anywhere here tonight? Okay, it's, it's okay to quit being bobbleheads and start saying amen any moment now, okay? God says you need to get your feet wet. That's what faith is. Faith is acting on what God has said. And here's what I believe tonight with all of my heart. Everybody here is going to come face to face with that one area of life. Everybody's got one. Everybody's got one. Some of you got five or six. But there's one that dominates all of it. What's that one area of life? And tonight God is saying... If you'll step on it, I've already given it to you. What do you do? What do you do with a marriage that's a mess? What do you do when you, you can't have that conversation with your wife and you, you can't seem to get past the problems? You, you can't even have a conversation that addresses this. What do you do? You walk in one day and you say, honey, let's sit down and talk. 
I just got to open my heart to you. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how you do it. But all I know is God told me to get my feet wet, and I need to sit down and talk to you because we need to have God's help in working some things out. What do you do with the problems of life? Here's what I believe tonight. I believe before we leave this room, God's going to drop something in your heart that is your step of faith. God's going to show you how to get your feet wet, how to start this whole process. Doug has given you the spiritual principles that we live by. But tonight, I believe God is saying, take your next step of faith. Take the next step of well, I don't, yes, you do know what it is. If you'll stop and pray tonight, I believe God's going to show you your next step of faith. God's going to say, you want to see a miracle? Get knee deep in impossible. Oh, but you don't know my wife. You don't know our marriage. It's impossible. Put your feet right in the middle of impossible. You don't know the situation at work. Put your feet right in the middle of impossible. Don't be afraid. Don't run from impossible. Step right into it and take God with you and just see what God will do to part waters and open up the land so you can walk right in and possess everything God has for you. This is a night of decision. This is a night of decision. And I I was, in closing, I was studying this week. And this is really what I was going to talk about. In the Old Testament, there's a story of King Joash who was fairly close with the prophet Elijah. In in the Old Testament days, nations were led by prophets. Prophets spoke God's direction and they followed. When kings were in trouble, they called for prophets to know what to do. There's a story that you find where Elisha is getting old. He's sick. He's about to die. And Joash goes to see him. And he walks in the room and Elisha says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I know that Syria, the nation of Syria has been a thorn in your side. I know you can't conquer Syria. It's just there day after day, battle after battle. You win some, you lose some. But here's this big mess of Syria sitting on your doorstep and you don't know what to do with it. Elisha says, here, take a bow and arrow. And he pulls out this bow and arrow and Elisha lays his hands on the bow and says, now, shoot an arrow out that window. And he shoots the arrow out the window. And Elisha looks at him and says, okay, that's a sword, that's an arrow of victory. You're going to see victory over the Syrians. You're going to defeat them. You're going to put down the king. God's going to give you victory. Now, here's the next thing I want you to do. He said, grab a handful of arrows. And he took a group of arrows out of that quiver. And the prophet said to him, strike the ground. Strike the ground. Now, this is all a prophetic scene. Strike the ground. Joash takes the arrows and strikes the ground. And Elisha gets angry at him. He said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. We just shot an arrow out the window. The word of the Lord is God wants to give you victory. And I tell you to strike the ground. And what do you do? Elisha said, here's what you should have done. Yeah, I'm excited. God's going to give me a victory. When are we as men going to be excited about the opportunities that God has given us? 
When are we going to get as passionate about the opportunities as God is the miracles and the victories? When are we going to match our passion with God's passion? And Elisha said, you know what? You're going to live the rest of your life constantly battling with Syria. You're going to win some and you're going to lose some. Because if you're no more passionate about that, God's not going to be passionate about it either. We're going to close this time tonight with the time of prayer. I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm talking about passion. I'm talking about something inside that says, I'm tired of living with my shoes dry. I want to get my feet wet. I don't care how impossible it looks. I'm going to get out there both feet, and I'm going to see God do some things like I've been dreaming about for years to turn my life around. I'm going to see it now. We're going to take those steps of faith. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me tonight, okay? The worship band's going to come back up and just quietly play behind us for a few minutes. Here's what I want you to do. What would you do tonight if God spoke to you and said, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon I've given to you? What would you do? For eight months, we've listened to a man of God tell us that God wants to give us ground. He wants us to take our gates. I'm here tonight to tell you, God wants to give you victory. He'll work with you if you'll take a step of faith. So what I want to do tonight is this. Every man, you know your step of victory, your direction of victory. You know what it is. And here's what I want to do. Because this is man to man, we're going to be unafraid, unashamed about this. How many men lift up a hand and say, I've got an area of my life, but I'm ready to take my step of faith. I want to conquer it once and for all. Let me see your hands. Look at this. Look at this. All over the room. All over the room. Okay, put your hands down. On the tables, there are cards. It's the man to man, man card, okay? On the back side, it's blank. We're going to come forward and pray in a few minutes. But we're going to get ready to take our step of faith. So I want every man here to pick up one of those cards and bring it with you. If you want to see God give you victory once and for all, I want every man in this place, grab a card and come and stand right here around the front of this platform. We're going to, we're going to pray together in just a moment. Just come on and join me. Hey, if you're new to Man to Man, don't be bashful. Come and join us. We want everybody to be a part of this, okay? Marty, you want to see a miracle? Get your, get your feet wet. You want to see a miracle? Get your feet wet. Greg, you want to see a miracle? Get your feet wet. James, you want to see a miracle? Uh, is everybody hearing this tonight? What, what are we going to do when this service is over? Nine of you have got it. What are we going to do when this service is over tonight? We're going to get our feet wet. We're not going to sit back and say, okay, well, someday I'm going to get out of bed and God's going to do it. We're going to do what God said. We're going to go out and step into the impossible and see God part the waters and make a way. Here's what I want you to do. Symbolic of that area of your life, I want you to take that card in your hand right there. I want you to lift it to heaven. 
I'm going to lead you in prayer. I'm going to get right in the mic and pray loud so you don't have to worry. Is anybody listening to you? But I want you to lift your voice right now, and I want you to tell God all about it and tell God what you want to see him do. All right, let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift our lives to you tonight. We lift these cards to you simply symbolic of the lives that we live and the provision that we need for the different areas of our lives. God, we've defined our promised land. I hold in my hand my promised land. This is what you said I could have you said it was mine and I'm tired of living on the other side of the river I'm ready to get my feet wet and walk into the promised land and see miracles begin to break loose God so I'm coming to you right now and I'm asking you to move in my heart move in my life show me my step of faith because I want that promised land I want that promised land say it with me I want that promised land so I ask you to give it to me now in the name of Jesus now just begin to praise God right now lift both your hands and give God praise in the house father we praise you we glorify you we honor you oh God we're believing you for breakthroughs for miracles for great and mighty things like we've never ever seen before so father in Jesus name I pray right now that you would just speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts as we worship you, as we glorify you. Speak to our hearts about our step of faith. Let's praise God together. With arms high and heart abandoned, I'm the one who gave it all. God praise in the house right now just give God praise father we praise you now your step of faith is to step into the impossible situation you're looking at that's your step of faith I'm gonna pray one more prayer right now I'm gonna ask God to show you your step of faith now stop here a minute if you're Joshua and Joshua says, God, how do we get the other side? He says, well, tell the priest to get the ark and just go get in the water. That sounds pretty stupid to me, doesn't it, you? But sometimes faith works beyond our own natural thinking. What happened was they carried God's presence into the water with them. That's what we're going to do. So I'm going to pray for you right now. Everybody, get that card in your hand. This one area. 
Now pray this with me. Say, Father, what is my step of faith? What do you want me to do to get my feet wet? I don't want to live on this side of the river anymore. I want to go into the promised land. I want everything you promised me. So show me now in Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you. Father, right now, we've prayed that prayer we've asked. Now across this room, let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to men individually. God, right now, just drop it in their heart. Satan, you're a liar. We can hear from God. We can know what God is saying to us. We may not hear an audible voice, but we can have an impression of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, right now, impress in men's hearts what they need to do to get their feet wet and to step into the middle of that impossible situation and see a miracle. Father, show us now. Now just listen to God. Just listen to God for a few seconds here. Father, I thank you that you've impressed on our hearts the step of faith you want us to take. And Father, that step of faith will be right in the direction of the impossible. But we will hear, we will obey. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Now, I'm going to do one more thing with you. But before we change the order and I send you back to your seats, one time on the count of three, I just want to hear a shout of praise, okay? Just one shout of praise on the count of three. One, two, three. Hallelujah! <laughs> now, slip back to your seats. I got one more thing I want you to do, so just go ahead and go back to your seats real quickly. Guys, thank you. Hey, give the band a good hand. We appreciate you guys. Paul, thank you. All right, here's the deal. You've got a card. That's your promised land. What I want you to do is on the, each table, there's one or two or three pins. I want you to write on the back of that card what your step of faith is. You may want to write on there what your promised land is too. That's up to you. But I want you to write down what is your step of faith. What did God speak to your heart? What do you need to do to get your feet wet? Some of you guys really, really, really need to get your feet wet. Men are such practical thinkers. I'm not talking about thinking outside the box. I'm talking about hearing the voice of God. God drops something in your heart tonight. What is your step of faith? It may seem impossible. It may not make any sense. But what is your step of faith? Just take a minute. If there aren't enough pins for the table, as soon as you fill out your card, Throw the pen back on the table so somebody else can use it. What is your step of faith? Do not limit God. Don't let the enemy talk you out of this. I'm going to wait just a couple of minutes. Let everybody fill out your card. Doug, God's working here right now. God is working here. God is doing some things.
When you go home tonight and your wife says, how does it go? Say, honey, I'm getting ready to get my feet wet. That's all you need to tell her. She won't understand. That's okay. Some of you are still writing. Is, anybody, is everybody finished? Is anybody still writing? Anybody still, still need to write? Okay, got a couple. I don't want to rush it. I want to wait right here a second. is awesome. Anybody still writing? If you don't be it's okay if you are. Anybody still writing? All right, here's here's the thing. You hold in your hand, everybody get your card. You hold in your hand your step of faith. I would encourage you before you leave tonight to write on that card Joshua 1:3. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I've given to you. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I give it to, give it to you. Joshua 1, 3. Many, many years ago, can I, have, can I have five minutes to finish this? Well, this is burning in my heart. I know, I hope nobody is in a super big rest. I mean, it's late. It's past some of your bedtime. It's almost 7.30 already. Man, let, me, let me finish this while, while, while the Spirit of God's working here. Many years ago, I heard a preacher, acquaintance of mine, make the statement, if you want something you've never had, you're going to have to do some things you've never done. He's talking about faith. Wasn't talking about foolishness. Wasn't talking about the best, latest self-help book. Talking about faith. If you want something you've never done, you're going to have to, or something you've never had, you're going to have to do some things you've never done. We are walking tonight in uncharted territory. Some of you are sitting there thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm going to go home and do this. You know what? God believes that God's getting ready to work some miracles in your life. You're getting ready to do some things by faith that you never imagined before, and you're going to see God do things you've never seen before. It's about to happen in this group of men. Many years ago, and I'm going to tell you one story and I'm done. Many years ago, when I was pastoring in the state of Arkansas, Zach was just a little boy at the time, God began to deal with my heart about coming back to Southern California. I was comfortable there. I liked where I was, a great place to raise kids, had a nice life, great growing church. And I was like, you know what, God, I'm, 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 I'm fine right here. But God kept stirring my heart about coming back to Southern California where I'd been raised. I began to look at the cost and weigh it out, and I, I realized, man, there's no way. I had some debt. There's a long story there. I don't have time to tell you all of it, but had some debt. I wasn't making a lot of money. And I'm scratching my head saying, there is no way. There is no way for me to get there. Well, in this process of time, there was a guy in the church who came to me, and he said, you like old cars? And I said, yeah. He said, I'm going to give you something, but it's a project that needs a lot of work. I said, okay. He gave me a 68 Chevy pickup, short bed, step side, but it had been a forestry service truck. I mean, it had been up in the mountains. It had the, you know, three-speed, six-cylinder granny gear. He said, see if you can fix this thing up. I started working on it, and I worked, and I worked. I'd get the whole interior, like, brand new. A friend of ours in the church owned a car dealership. I, I bartered with him and made a deal. His paint shop would keep it and paint it for me in their spare time, and he gave me a big discounted price. Finally, 
After months and months and months of labor, I had this beautiful blood red Chevy pickup. I mean, it was beautiful. Didn't run the greatest yet because I was still working on it, but man, it was beautiful. And I'm hanging on to that thing and saying, man, I love this truck. I'm going to fix this thing. I'm going to get an automatic and a V8 in this thing. It is going to be so sweet. And all that time, God just keeps stirring my heart. I want you to go to California. I want you to go to California. And I'm saying someday, someday, someday. God, I can't get there from here. I don't have the money to go. One Sunday evening at church, we had an evening service. And there was a lady there who was sharing that night. She'd been to Bible school. And God had called her, grabbed her heart. And her, her father was a trucker. She'd been raised around truckers her whole life. Knew the trucking industry. One night, God grabbed her heart. And, and she surrendered to God's call. And she's sharing in our church. And she said, I've been to Bible school. God wants me to get this mobile chapel. And he wants me to go from truck stop to truck stop, holding church services, ministering to truckers. This is a woman. Yeah, right. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, I don't know what my part is this. Why are we doing this tonight? And she said, I've already figured out. God has showed me the truck going down the road. It's an old Mack truck, an old one that's all fixed up, and it's painted blood red like the blood of Jesus. And as soon as she said that, I said, oh, no. So I went back that night and I told the other pastors, I said, okay, here's the deal. Before I get out of here and talk myself out of it, I'm going to get my feet wet. God told me to sell this truck and give the money to her so she can buy the truck. As a matter of fact, I sold the truck. A guy in the church bought it. I spent weeks helping her work on that truck. And the same guy that painted my truck painted her truck red for her. And she had this beautiful old red Mack truck, blood red like the blood of Jesus. That was my step of faith. And then finally time came, I told the church I was leaving and going to California, and I still didn't have any money. I had just the same debt. And I, I had no way of going. The last weekend before I'm going to leave, I ordered the truck. I went and took my last little bit of money, put a deposit on the truck. I said, I'll be back and pay you next week. I went to preach at a little bitty church in the town of Kansas, Oklahoma. If you're going through Kansas, Oklahoma, right on the Arkansas line, if you blink, you will miss it. I mean, it's tiny. It's all, it's all chicken ranchers, basically. They raise chickens and they raise eggs. I went and preached this little country church, maybe 100 people there. Service is over and the pastor says, you know, God spoke to my heart and we need to take the money in our church fund and bless this guy. He's going to California to start a church. So we're going to give him our church fund. And I'm thinking, okay, little hundred people, bunch of farmers, you know, thank God we may get several hundred dollars here. We go to lunch that day and he hands me a check and he said, here, here's a check for $17,000. Before I got out of town that next week, I received another $13,000. The church agreed to help take care of us partial salary for six months. You know what we had in that six months? We had just enough money to get us through that season of planting that church. You know why it happened? It happened because God is faithful. And when God says, get your feet wet, if you'll get your feet wet, God will honor it. I don't know what's on your card tonight, but we're going to leave this place and get our feet wet. Can I hear one big amen? amen. I love it. I love it. Boy, it's dark in here. I don't know what the deal is. Is it dark in here to anybody but me? Maybe that's what it is. Okay, last thing. 
You need support in this journey. We're breaking for the summer. We'll pick up again in the fall, September. We're breaking for the summer, but we're going to continue to help each other and encourage each other. You don't need to be in this race all by yourself. Some of you have made friends the last few months here at Man to Man. Some of you are new tonight or new just the last two or three times and you're just starting to break, break ground and make some friends. Here, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to encourage you to exchange phone numbers with a guy at your table or two or three guys at your table. When I face the challenges of life, I have friends who I call, I text. I said, are you free? Can you talk a few minutes? I've got a few minister friends who I'm really tight with. And when I'm facing things that I don't know what to do with, I talk to them. When they're facing challenges, they'll call me. We encourage each other. We help each other. We'll meet for lunch. We'll go out and play golf and talk about what's going on in our lives and our ministries. You need those kinds of friends. In this room tonight, at every table, there are men here who would love to be your friend and love to help you. And I want to encourage you tonight. I know, man, I'm a man. I can do it by myself. No, you can't. No, you can't. That's why you're in the mess you're in, because you've been trying to do it by yourself. Come on, smile at me a minute. I'm almost done. Humor me. Exchange some phone numbers. Text these guys. Text each other. Go to coffee. Get three or four of you at your table. Go to coffee now and then. Just encourage each other. If you're struggling, say, hey, you know what? I got some struggle. If it's very private, just tell them, I don't want to lay it all on the table, but I need your help. Make some friends because you need them in life. Doug, you want to come up and share something before we dismiss? Hey, God bless you. I love you guys. I'm the happiest pastor in the world because I get to pastor you. God bless you. I love you tonight. Thank you. I got I'm good. Well, gentlemen, that's it. Man to man season is fine is over at this point, but I think we've just begun. Gary, I told him you're good at it. Awesome. Awesome word. Awesome word. You know, let's, let's do something about that. Let's get our feet wet. You, another option you have for, for the community to get together with folks on tomorrow. Uh, where's Tim? And tomorrow night, are you on? Monday night. And then Tuesday night with Lloyd and, and um, Rick. Where's, where's Rick? Are you guys on this week? Okay. So Mondays and Tuesdays up through June now, they're going to finish out the small groups there. Guys, I encourage you either on Monday night here at the church at 6 6.30 or at Tuesday night at the Corner Bakery at 6 o'clock, you have the opportunity to get, do what Gary was just talking about, and that is get together with like-minded men who, who I guarantee you will not regret it. They're going through what we've been talking about in more detail. We call it a deeper dive. But other than that, gentlemen, thank God for you to be here. Uh, it's been a blessing to me I, and, and such, and I just, I'm looking forward to seeing what God's going to do. I'm looking forward to the stories we're going to hear as a result of this season and as a result of tonight. God bless you. If you've got more games to play, play. But otherwise, you are dismissed. God bless you.